Okay, today is the third of our vision weeks, and we talked about uh, how we gather and how we want to grow, but we don't just want to gather and we don't just want to grow, we also want to follow Jesus' command to go. And as this passage says, to go into the world to bear fruit. So that's what we're going to be thinking about today. We're going to be doing it in different places. Uh, and the question is, what is that fruit? Um, you know, we need to sort of understand that, and there's many different ways. But fundamentally, we're talking about fruit uh, being fruit of the kingdom, that Jesus is the king. So, so Jesus is the king over people and place. So the fruit is both people knowing Jesus, knowing Jesus as their king, or knowing Jesus as their Lord, and also our communities being uh, you know, governed by God. They're being like God wishes them to be, like Eden that he created. And we're going to do that, particularly in here, we're going to have some stories about fruit. We're also going to have a bit about fruit. We, we're going to have a human fruit machine in here later for the family. So if you're here at the fun day, you'll know what that's about. Um, but we've also got this fruit tree here. Because we just want to start with the first story before we split up. So children, if you want to come down, I've got a story about an orchard and this fruit tree. Anybody want to come? Do you want to come and sit down? And we're going to talk about this tree here. So, this is a story about a community of God's people. That would be a church. Yeah, so people come together. That's what makes church a church. And they chose to go and bear much fruit, this community. But this is a story about an orchard, about these trees. They were in the grounds of a big old house. Trees like this growing apples, maybe pears, maybe even medlars, if you've heard of those, old English fruits. And that tree and those trees were in an orchard which were on the outskirts of a big city. It was a growing city. It was a city that was increasing in size. And so what was happening is they were building more houses. Have we seen houses being built, particularly at the moment? We see houses being built all over the place, don't we? And that's what was happening to this old orchard. Houses were being built all around it for people to live in because the city was growing and more people wanted to come and to work and live in the city. They needed to get to the center of the city, so past this orchard they built a tram line. So the trams would run, the buses on, on, tra- on, on, tra- on rails, they run in and out of the city. But all the people that were starting to live in this community. So that was going on around the orchard. Now, in the middle of the city was a group of people, as I said, this church community. And they had heard Jesus' call to go. They knew Jesus called for them to go and to bear much fruit. And so a few of them said, well, hang on a minute. All these people have come to this new community around this orchard. How are they going to know about Jesus? How are they going to understand that? So a few of them, passionate few of them said, we must go and do something about this. We must go and use the term to save people. We just sang that song, Rescuer. What, we want, what they wanted to do was make sure that those people that didn't know Jesus did know Jesus and Jesus would save them. They would, would not die without knowing Jesus. So that's where the orchard comes in because the people from the city decided to come to the orchard and put up a tent so they could be there amongst the people that didn't know Jesus. 
So they went and they set up this tent, they put it in the orchard, and they met people. They talked about Jesus, they shared the good news. They, they were here tirelessly searching, communicating with people, saying, we need to tell you about Jesus. We want you to know that he has come for you. You are, you know, to them they were lost. They didn't know Jesus, they didn't know God to guide them. And so he, they wanted to share that with them. So they, they talked to people, they, people met Jesus. And they did it from that tent for two years in that orchard. And what happened was, more and more people came to know Jesus. And they wanted to be associated with them. They wanted to join together with that community. And they did, sure enough. And they wanted to give their time and their money and their effort and started to build. And that community started to build into, effectively, a new church. So they decided that they would build a building. They would build a building for those people to meet in, in the grounds of that old house, which was the orchard. Now, as the city continued to grow, people needed communications as well as transport, so the old house got turned into a telephone exchange. And that telephone exchange is what you see out of that window over there. Because that old house had an orchard in its grounds. And this building is the building that was built in that orchard. Because we are all the fruit of the labor of the people that came from the city to come and share the good news. They heard the call to go, they went, they shared the good news, and they bore fruit. And we, 90-some years later, are part of that fruitful story of those people. That church no longer exists, but the fruit of their labors they came here does indeed still exist. Now, Jesus often used to use parables to tell stories that help us to think about things in different ways. And we're going to have a video, a parable, this morning, before we split up and go in our separate ways. And this is a parable to talk about that idea of going, an idea of bearing fruit, but he uses the idea of a life-saving station, like a lifeboat station. As we sang that song, Rescuer, people needed rescuing. They were lost. They needed to find Jesus. And that's what these people wanted to do. So while we have that video, if you've got fruit, I'm going to put the tree down here. Children, you can hang your fruit on. And then once we have done that video, we are going to say, in here will be fruit machine and stories about fruitfulness. Out the back, Louise will be having a talk and um, time of discussion. There will be time of reflection upstairs. And if you're online, there will be a talk and songs and prayers, okay? So if I put the fruit tree down here, and then we'll have the video. On a dangerous seacoast where shipwrecks often occur, there was once a crude little life-saving station. The building was no more than a hut, and there was only one boat. But the few devoted members kept a constant watch over the sea, with little to no thought for themselves, they went out day and night, tirelessly searching for the lost. Some of those who were saved and various others in the surrounding areas wanted to become associated with the station and give their time and money and effort to support the work. New boats were brought in and new crews were trained. And the little life-saving station grew. 
Some of these new members of the life-saving station were unhappy that the building was so crude and poorly equipped. They felt that a more comfortable place should be provided as the first refuge of those who were saved from the sea. They replaced the emergency cots with beds and put better furniture in the enlarged building. Now the life-saving station became a popular gathering place for its members, and they began to use it sort of as a club. Fewer members were now interested in going to sea on life-saving missions, so they hired lifeboat crews to do this work. The life-saving motif still prevailed in this club's decor, and there was a memorial lifeboat in the room where the club initiations were held. About this time, a large ship was wrecked off the coast, and hired crews brought in boatloads of cold, wet, half-drowned people. They were dirty and sick, and some of them were foreigners. The beautiful new club was in chaos immediately. The property committee hired someone to rig up a shower outside the club, where victims of the shipwreck could be cleaned up before coming inside. The outsiders made the life-saving station extremely dirty. At the next meeting, there was a split in the club membership. Most of the members wanted to stop the club's life-saving activities because they felt that they were unpleasant and a hindrance to the normal social life of the club. But a small number of members insisted upon life-saving as their primary mission and pointed out that they were still called a life-saving station. After all, the dissenting group's members were voted down and told that if they wanted to save lives, they could begin their own life-saving station down the coast. So they did. As the years went by, however, the new station experienced the same changes that had occurred in the old station. It evolved into a club, and yet another life-saving station was founded. History continued to repeat itself, and if you visit that eastern seacoast today, you will find a number of exclusive clubs along that shore. Shipwrecks are still frequent in those waters. But most of the passengers drown. Most of the passengers drown. What can we say? I think one thing we can say is that there is a shipwreck coming. It can't escape us. I don't think it can escape any of us that the structures of this world, particularly the, the structures of this country, are being shaken. They're groaning. They're struggling, they're cracking. Those things we rely on are under threat. I think we can all see that. What the outfall will be, we, we can't, it's unknowable for sure, but it's quite predictable in many ways. We know that people will be shaken. People will feel their security lost their confidence in the things around them will be just unsettled during this time. Your confidence in the financial system, we started to see that shaking. Our confidence in our supply of energy. We all know that actually we're no longer certain to have all the energy that we think we need. And we have to work out how to do that. That confidence in that is gone. Our confidence in food, we've seen our disruption to the food supplies globally um, and locally. 
COVID, of course, taught us that our confidence in good health is is not guaranteed. And COVID is nowhere gone away. And as we have set off into this winter, those uncertainties, along with other things to do with health and the, uh, the health service, all remain amongst us. And then, of course, there's our our, our confidence in a in a in a reliable, in a competent government. Government. It's under threat. It's unclear. It's uncertain. We can no longer fully trust that. And then, of course, there is peace itself. As war has been raging across the other side of Europe, there is no escaping the fact that it could break beyond those borders and those boundaries. Peace itself across Europe could be at threat. So it's undoubtedly there is uncertain times we are in. And in the words of that parable, yes, actually, a shipwreck is is coming. And the results of that are in that way that the people drowning, as it talks about in that parable, the people are are cold and wet, half drowned people. Of course, you know, I'm sitting here in the cold and you'd probably be similar. Actually, we kept our heating off. We're cold sometimes because we're uncertain of actually our supply of energy. How can we help? How can we contribute to that? So those uncertain times and, and that brings us to our call to go. Because it is to these people, these people in need, these people who are seeing their structures and their confidence broken, that need Jesus to come. Jesus calls us to do that and Jesus sets an example to go to those people, to rescue them, to bring them the good news. As we heard in our story earlier, to know that you want to save these people. You want to share the good news with them, but also to bring them food, to bring them shelter, to help with their needs. But most of all, to bring hope. Hope in a confidence, in in the unshakable God that we know and worship. So in our passage we've had from John today, that is the fruit that, that, amongst other things that Jesus is talking about, the fruit of these people. These people who are brought into the kingdom because they come to know him. And that's the challenge we face as we consider that call to go that we know we have. That call to go that we know our, our forebearers who led us to where we are, who planted the church to which we are part of. How they responded to that call to go. How do we too respond to that call to go? And Jesus helps us do that. So what I'm going to do is going to delve into that passage again. If you didn't pick it up before in your Bibles, I really encourage you now to, to just hear what it is and then pause and get it. So it's John 15 and we're going to read verses 1 to 8. We're going to go through that. So if you want to grab that, do that. And let's, let's think about how that helps us. So John 15, it starts, it says, this is Jesus speaking. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful so jesus starts off straight into this uh, this parable of the vine that to to explain how we will be fruitful uh, for him the first thing to note is that it's an assured thing it is an assumption that we will be fruitful 
It's not some will be fruitful and, and others don't need to be. Actually, those who are not fruitful are cut off from the vine. So, so the fruitfulness is, is, is defined. Jesus makes that clear that that is part of what it is to follow him. And, it, and, he, and he closes with that when we get to it. So that's the first thing out of there. The second bit is we see that the gardener, it says, my father is the gardener. The gardener is the one who prunes the branches that are fruitful. He prunes and he shapes them to be more fruitful. He is the one that equips us. He is the one that guides us. He is the one that helps us to be fruitful. And so there's a process going on and, and uh, and our Father in heaven is working on us as we seek to be fruitful. We will be more fruitful if we allow him to prune us. If we allow him to shape us, uh, to equip us. And then it carries on. Verse four, it says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So Jesus is clear here, actually, this isn't just a go. This is a go and come and go and come. There is a sense of being part of the body. Uh, Jesus' body, so in, in our interpretation, our understanding, being part of the church, which is Jesus' body on earth, is part and parcel of this call to go. We cannot be expected to be fruitful if we do not come if we do not remain part of the vine. And Jesus says that, and he's very, very clear, that actually we need to remain in him to be fruitful. And verse 5 and 6, he repeats it again. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up thrown into the fire and burned. Jesus has this real sense, actually it's about being in the vine and being fruitful. So as we say, you know, our, our vision is to gather, to grow and to go. They None of them go on their own. We can't do one without another. And our call to go is embedded in our call to gather and our call to grow because both of those are what equip us to go but we still always remain part of the vine in that. And then, and then finally it goes into to verse 7 and 8. It says, if you remain in me and your words, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So here we see, so Jesus is actually saying, I will equip you. If you remain in me, then you can ask me for what you need to be fruitful and I will provide it. So again, he's saying, actually, you don't go without me, you go with me. Jesus isn't calling us to go without him. He's calling us to go with him and he will equip us. He will provide for us as we go, as we seek to bear fruit. He makes it clear it's for the Father's glory. It is for the glory of God that we bear fruit, not for our own glory. And that, again, he draws us back when we talked about gather a few weeks ago. 
this sense of knowing what God does for us, seeing what God does for us when we allow him to do it, is what brings us into worship. It's what reveals his glory and allows us to let worship rise from within us, to recognise and celebrate his glory. So it's for the glory of the Father. And Jesus says, that's why you will bear fruit for my Father's glory. And then he says, and he says this, that you may bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. He said, actually, by that fruit, you will be seen to be my disciples. Now, this is a challenge to the culture of the time, because I, I, to be a disciple at the time was to follow your Pharisee or your, 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 um, your teacher, your rabbi. You would follow them and you would learn from them and, and, and listen to what they had to say. And it would be that journey. But to be recognised a disciple was to follow them. Like you would see, you'd be seen with them. And Jesus is saying, actually, you will be recognised as a disciple for the fruits that you bear. The effects of what it means to follow me were what define you as a disciple. And that challenges the culture and it challenges us. It's not just simply about following and learning about Jesus. It's about going doing what Jesus wants us to do with him and in him but bearing fruit fruit for the kingdom of God so we're going to look over over the next few weeks at some examples of actually what that fruit looks like we're moving into a period we're going to do five weeks called frontline Sundays there's some great material um, by uh, LICC uh, and we're going to cover that uh, looking at what it means to be fruitful in in our, our daily lives, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our colleges, our universities, in our homes. Wherever it is our, the place we experience much most of our life, we can be fruitful in those places. And we'll be, we'll be looking at those examples in the coming weeks. But, but today in the building, we'll also be spending a bit of time looking at some biblical examples. And I, I just want to delve into some of those now for those of you are joining us outside or or online. So we've looked at a couple, and one of the ones we're looking at is is in the Old Testament. Um, it's about somebody called Bezalel. So in Exodus thirty one, so the book of Exodus chapter thirty one, it says that uh, the Lord it says this, I have filled this person Bezalel. I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills. To make artistic designs for work in gold, silver and bronze. To cut and set stones. To work in wood and to engage in all kinds of crafts. So we see here that Bezalel is, is, is singled out in this passage. That God is going to prune him. God, is, God the gardener is going to shape him to be fruitful. Going to be fruitful for the kingdom. And that fruit in his case is this creative output it's physical things it's not people as we think about in 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 the, in the parable but this is about creating uh, the beautiful things of the world that god has gifted and equipped him to create and we see as the passage goes on that that gift is passed off to, to many others as well to to bring this creation into being uh, and the old testament temple that they were building was was, was, was built as a microcosm of creation. It, it was built to, to replicate what we read in Genesis of, of the creation uh, of, of the world. And, and the idea was that they were 
the craftsmen who were able to make this thing beautiful. But that's what expands beyond that. And actually we're called to make all of this earth, Eden, and therefore our call, our creative call in terms of this our fruitfulness for these people was to create and make beautiful things. So we can see how that fits in to our lives in different ways. We're then going to look, we're looking at a, another thing about Jesus' friends. So in um, Mark chapter 2, uh, we, we, we find a story where Jesus is, is gathered in a house full up and there's these friends of a chap who is who's paralysed. And they know that they want to get this man to Jesus. They know that if he could meet Jesus, Jesus could heal him, could free him of his affliction and release him. So these friends, they climb up on the roof and they open the roof and they lower this guy down in front of Jesus. And Jesus says, he says, it's all their faith. And he says to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. And he he frees this chap of, of his paralysis he, he he heals him and sets him on his way so those those friends of this chap their fruitfulness their fruit in this moment is to see their friend freed and released set free from all that is holding him he, he's healed from this paralysis and that is their fruitfulness in this situation that their call was to go their call was to take this man whatever it took to take him to jesus and to see that happen was their fruit and then we're doing a few others but one other example i just want to capture you with you here now is about jesus sending out his disciples in matthew chapter 10 jesus calls his 12 disciples together and he gives them authority to drive out impure spirits to heal every disease and sickness and he sends them out into the villages around and he says go and heal people go and drive out the evil spirits go and bring freedom to these people that are lost he says he's been go to the lost sheep of israel the lost the the broken the hurting those that are in terms of our parable drowning and need to be saved to be rescued so jesus sends these disciples out and the fruit is recognized later on the the sense that they have released people they have seen demons flee they have seen people uh, freed from a, a oppression. They've seen people healed. And this is their fruit. Their fruit is that restoration of people. Restoration of people that leads them also uh, to know Jesus. So there's some of the examples, some of the things we think about when we think about what it is to go. What it means for us to take up that call to say, yeah, we do gather yeah, we do grow, but we ultimately go. We go because there's a lost and broken world that needs us to go to it. It needs us to be the ones that bring the good news of Jesus. So as those many years ago, those people came out of the city to that orchard to plant that church. And as it started to bear fruit, so we are called to go. We are called to bear fruit and we do stand on the edge or even amongst shipwrecks and for the for that sake of that lost broken world we must go